You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, what do you think? Do you think the Packers kind of achieved their goal? Because I kind of think they did. And, And by goal, I'm talking about what I talked about yesterday, which is to not only beat the Bears, because that was a given, right? I mean, that's stupid. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers and this Green Bay Packers team are uh, quite a bit better than that trash Bears team. Um, (laughs) I talk a lot of trash because we won. Uh, (laughs) It's a continuation of uh, Sunday a little bit, but no, I'm talking about the goal that says we're not just going to win. We're going to embarrass you. We're going to make it so that you don't just leave this game going, you know what, this isn't our year, but starting next year, we're taking over the division. I'm talking about listening over to Chicago Bears radio, which it is uh, 5.30 on a Sunday for me personally. I should probably try to tune in and see what I can find. I'm talking about people calling in and saying, there's no hope. There's no fixing this. This isn't just about 2021. This isn't just a matter of once Aaron Rodgers leaves, we own the North. This isn't just a matter of if we can get a couple more pieces along the offensive line or whatever, then we're going to be dominant. That's not it. This team is not good at football. And as much as I truly hate to be the bearer of bad news for the Chicago Bears, obviously I I would love to be able to give you nothing but great, wonderful news. What, What I said yesterday, whether it was meant to be a little hyperbolic or not, is in some ways true, and you can go back and find me saying very similar things in maybe slightly more polite ways for many weeks and months now. As Packer fans, what that translates to is all is not lost when, if and when Aaron Rodgers leaves, because at the end of the day, people don't just get handed championships. Teams still have to earn championships, and there's no reason looking at the Vikings and the Lions and the Bears to assume that they've earned anything. What happened in that game that I should respect? What, the pass rush? You guys had three sacks in the game. We had four. I thought you had this dominant pass rush. Well, our offensive line, blah, blah, blah. Oh, oh, your offensive line. Let me tell, me, let me tell you a little bit about the Packers' offensive line. The Packers out-sacked you, and that's the only area in which you're better than the Packers, and you failed to execute the one area that you actually don't suck. You didn't win in sacks. You didn't win in interceptions. Your defense did not win. The Packers' defense was better than your defense today. Aaron Rodgers threw for more yards. He threw for more touchdowns. They ran for more yards than you did. We did. We ran for more yards than you did, and that's supposed to be your calling card is running the ball. We had the top receiver, the top quarterback, the top running game, top defense, 
sacks, interceptions, pretty much every metric that there is. You think you're just going to be handed the North if Aaron Rodgers leaves, and that's an if Aaron Rodgers leaves? The guy that was just screaming, I own you? You think he wants to just walk away from what he's got here? Maybe. I don't know. But even if he does, what are you going to do to earn the North? You think the Packers are just going to, what, lay down and quit? Aaron Rodgers didn't just single-handedly crush you. He completed 17 of 23 passes for 195 yards and two touchdowns. That's not exactly a Herculean effort. You think there's no other quarterbacks in the world that the Packers can acquire that can manage a sub-200-yard game? I'm not trying to disparage Aaron Rodgers, but the fact of the matter is the idea that the only reason that you keep losing to the Packers is Rodgers is false. Aaron Jones isn't going anywhere. A.J. Dillon is not going anywhere. Devontae, despite your wildest dreams, is not going anywhere. Darnell Savage, who got that that pick, is not going anywhere. Jair is not going anywhere. Stokes, we just drafted. Kenny Clark, who had two sacks in this game, is not going anywhere. The offensive line, the, the offensive line, David Bakhtiari, not going anywhere. We just signed the guy. Elton Jenkins, we just drafted him. Josh Myers, we just drafted him. And Bajorquez, which, you know, granted he's just a punter, dude's 25 years old, we just picked him up. Just picked him up. Because the, the Rams apparently just had two really good punters and weren't really sure which one to go with, so they decided to go with the crafty veteran. The Packers like, you know what? Let's take the 25-year-old that's kicking this thing out of the stadium every week. I'm not excited about the prospect of Aaron Rodgers possibly leaving, but I'm also not willing to just lay down and say we don't own the North anymore if Aaron Rodgers leaves. You got beat by a better football team, not a better quarterback. He was the better quarterback, no question, because Justin Fields was not very good, as per usual. But it wasn't just Aaron Rodgers that beat you. The offensive line stopped you. The running backs were able to run. The receivers were able to catch. Corners were able to stop your wide receivers. The pass rush was able to beat your offensive line and your quarterback. The linebackers did their job. The safeties did their job. We, we didn't have our elite corner, our number two corner, our starting safety, and our number one top-tier MVP pass rusher on this team. Justin Fields was 16 of 27 for 174 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Why? Explain to me why. Can anyone explain to me why? Why is that all he did against this defense, the defense that Bears fans like to laugh at and mock for being no good? It's not good, right? The run defense is terrible. The coverage is a joke. The Packers defense is always terrible, and they're hurt. They don't have their top-tier prospects. At one point, we lost Preston. We lost Kenny. We lost literally every premier person on this defense was gone. Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith, Darnell Savage, Kenny Clark. We had Adrian Amos. That's about it. And Rashawn, if you want to throw him in that mix. That's it. Every premier player on this team, gone. Even Kevin King was gone. And you couldn't do anything? Why? Why can't you run the ball when our defensive line is decimated with no Preston or Zadarius? And no good defensive tackles outside of Kenny. Why can't you run the ball? With no corners and no real pass rushers, I guess, why can't you throw the ball? Is it because of Aaron Rodgers and once he's gone, your problems are fixed? I don't, I'm confused. What, how does this work? Sorry to tell you. And I know that you've been in a 
pit of absolute despair and the prospect of the Packers possibly falling off and becoming a bad team and paving the way for you to ever have any chance or any hope of being a good football team, unfortunately, the only thing you're hoping for is for the Packers to fall off, which there's no real reason to expect them to fall off tremendously. But here's the bigger problem. Even if they do, so what? Even if the Packers go 0-17 next year, so what? What does that mean for you? Who can you beat? Who can you beat? Can you even can you beat the Vikings? I don't think you beat the Vikings. I think the Vikings are better than you. Can you beat Cleveland? Can you beat Arizona? Can you beat Dallas? Can you beat Seattle? Can you beat Buffalo or Tennessee or Tampa? Can you beat the Chiefs? Can you beat the Rams? Can, can you beat the Chargers or the Ravens? I'm glad you're happy about Justin Fields. Your team sucks. Your team sucks, and it's because you have a terrible GM and a head coach that doesn't know what he's doing, and the quarterback so far has not proven to be anything other than a subpar quarterback. So much so that Andy Dalton, no question up to this point, has been a better quarterback for your team, which is why they didn't want Justin Fields to play over Andy Dalton. (laughs) Skip Bayless is trying to be relevant now. Saying Aaron Rodgers basically played like garbage and had the audacity to say, I own you? Dude, by every definition, by every definition, he does. Let, let's, let's, okay. So this is from Packers Superfan. He just, he just added me on Twitter and said, let's talk and showed me this. I, listen, I know it's Skip Bayless and I know it's stupid, but like I said, these guys feed me stuff and I'm just gonna, you know, it's just, it's just like being handed a steak. Like, well, if you want them to stop, then uh, stop eating the steak. No, I'll, I'll, I'll eat it. That's fine. Here's what Skip Bayless had to say. Aaron Rodgers couldn't even throw for 200 yards, barely outplayed a rookie quarterback. I don't know about that. If you're just talking about pure yardage, I I guess. Scrambled for the 24-14 touchdown. I don't know how that's a negative. Looked slower than Brady doing so. That's factually inaccurate, but you're showing why you are who you are and not somebody relevant like a, you know, somebody that an NFL team would hire. I mean, you make more money, so it's hard to say you're not relevant, but that's, that's a ridiculous take. And had the audacity to go, quote, championship belt, which is what he does when he scores touchdowns. So kind of makes sense, kind of checks out. And scream to the Chicago crowd, I own you, typical. He does, though. The Packers won by 10 points against a top 10 defense, top five, I don't know what, what they are. Number one pass rushing unit, right? The whole thing, we've been over it. And, um... Went up 24-14, rushing it. And yeah, he had a little bit of an adrenaline rush because he just sealed the game and just got popped by somebody after just scoring a touchdown. There's a rush of adrenaline that happens. And he jumped up and screamed, I still own you, because he does. He always has. That's where still comes from. It's just, it's a it's a stupid, uh, stupid tweet there, which I guess kind of kind of par for the course there for Skip Bayless. I mean, I know he just hates Rodgers, but um, listen, he he almost has an argument when he says that, you know, you only, what does he say, you didn't throw for 200 yards. Yeah, okay, that's true. Partially having to do with the uh, pass rush, the offensive line, the wide receivers. But uh, yeah, you got him. Still won the game, still had the game-clinching rush for a touchdown. Looks slower than Tom Brady doing so is also funny because when does Tom Brady ever do that? He doesn't because he can't because he's slow and significantly slower than Aaron Rodgers. But anyways, um, as Aaron Rodgers so eloquently put it, he still owns the Bears and the Packers still own the North. 
and the Packers still own the Bears, and the Bears are going to limp along to, maybe they can get to second, but they're probably third. The the Vikings are on their uh, second big win, you know, after beating the Lions and then the depleted Panthers. I honestly don't know. I'm just, I'm just kicking back, just enjoying it. Actually, it's kind of interesting. I know everybody wants to just talk about the game. We're, we're going to get there, but I'm looking at this right now. The Minnesota Vikings are 3-3, three and three, and the Bears are 3-3. Three and three. The Vikings have a bye, and the Bears are going to play Tampa. So the Bears are going to be 3-4, and four, and then they'll play the 49ers, probably be 3-5, and five, play the Steelers. I don't know. How is that? How does either team... That's going to be the first 0-0 zero zero tie in the history of the NFL. But they may be loss or winless up until they're by, and then after that, they get the Baltimore Ravens. So let's say they win one game. They're 4-6 and six by week 11 before they play Detroit. Uh, the Vikings are 3-3. Three and three. They got Dallas. That's probably a loss. Baltimore, that's a loss. Chargers, that's a loss. Packers, that's a loss. 49ers, that's probably a loss. And again, maybe they win one of those. So they're looking at about 4-7. and seven. Um I mean, how many wins are here? I mean, again, the Steelers maybe is a win because their offense is so bad. The Bears might be a win for Minnesota. Rams is probably a loss. Packers is another loss. Bears might be another win. I mean, these are these are rough times. Granted, the Packers have a lot of these to go through as well, but there's some optimism that they can win. They got Washington. That should should be a win. Arizona, Kansas City, Seattle, Minnesota, and the Rams. That's a rough little gauntlet, but we went through a gauntlet already. Seattle, we don't know if Russell is going to be playing. That obviously makes all the difference in the world. Kansas City is massively iffy. I mean, that offense is terrifying, so hopefully we get some of our defensive pieces back. But their defense is putrid, horrible, terrible. I don't know about after this last week, but prior to this week, because it's not up yet, 32nd ranked defense, 31st ranked uh, defense in terms of yards. Dead last is where the Chiefs have ranked. So I don't know. I'll, I'll go through that a little bit more in detail, maybe talk about it tomorrow. That is kind of interesting because all three teams, and I'm not even looking at the, the Lions because who cares, but all three teams have got, uh, they've got, they've got a bit of a gauntlet to go through here. And the Lions are one of the few, if not the only, how many teams haven't won a game? And they got the Bengals should be a loss. Rams are a loss. Eagles, I don't know, but uh, they're on their way to getting a quarterback next year whichever one that may be, but uh, looking at number one overall pick at this point. But anyways, why don't we rip through a couple stats real quick? Obviously, the score 24-14, Green Bay Packers win. We'll rip through the stats. We'll take a break. We'll come back, talk about a few other things here. Mentioned Aaron Rodgers, 17-23, 195, and two touchdowns. Aaron Jones, 13 carries, 76 yards, 5.8 average, phenomenal. A.J. Dillon, 11 carries, 59 yards, 5.4 average, phenomenal. Aaron Rodgers, 7 carries, 19 yards, and a touchdown, Devontae Adams, only four receptions, which is going to kind of work against him uh, breaking the record, but still 89 yards is a pretty high number. And again, this is this is a, a stiff team to play against. Not every team we play against is going to have a uh, dominant defense. At some point, we're not going to face some of the best pass rushers in football, although I don't see it letting up, <laughs> letting up too much over the next couple weeks. Aaron Jones, again, running backs kind of stepping in as that number two receivers. Aaron Jones, four receptions, 34 yards and a touchdown. Lazard, three uh, receptions, 27 yards and a touchdown. Mercedes, two receptions, 17 yards. Amari, one reception, 14 yards. I loved that, by the way. Uh, I'll talk more about that in a minute. Tunyon caught two for 10 yards. I don't remember that at all. I think I'm just so underwhelmed by him overall that even when he catches things, my brain doesn't acknowledge it. Josiah DeGuara, one for four yards. 
Uh, Savage with a pick. Uh, number one tackler was actually Razul Douglas, who a lot of people really, really liked. I'm excited to see what he grades out as next week because it was very clear that when he came in, things cleared up. Again, staying away from details at this point. We'll do that after the break. But surprising to see him lead with only five tackles. Devondre Campbell with four and Dean with four. So the number one on the team was five, which is surprising. Um, sacks for the team, one for Dean Lowry, two for Kenny Clark, one for Jonathan Garvin. Um, and then we had Mason Crosby, one for one on his field goals, doing just fine. That was a 39-yarder and was three for three on the extra points. Bohorquez, freaking Bohorquez. Now, granted, I, you know, slight asterisk next to it because it didn't land 80 yards down the field. It rolled, but still, three punts, 56-yard average, 82 yards was his long. And uh, I was I was saying on the live stream, when he kicked that, I thought this is going to be a terrible punt. I think it actually, that might have been the one I think hit the ground. And so he had to like hurry and kick it. And the fact that I saw that on the screen for so long, it was such a line dra- drive. I remember thinking this is going to be horrible because line drives that are that straight on, if the guy catches it, he can run for 20 yards before anybody gets to him. But he kicked a line drive that went over the guy's head. He tried to backpedal to go get it, couldn't get to it, and then just left it. But man... That was crazy. Uh, Kylan Hill, one return, 23 yards. Amari Rogers, two returns, 16 yards, eight-yard average. I actually liked what Amari did today. I was happy about it. 16 yards was his, uh, I mentioned his long. That was a that was a real nice return. I feel like Amari kind of started to feel comfortable in this game. He didn't get utilized much, but it kind of, well, again, I said I wasn't going to get into the details, so I won't, but to be continued with Amari. But again, the Packers are 5-1, and and as somebody mentioned to me on the stream earlier today, you know, even if, if if the question I had was, is this offense going to be as good as it was last year? Can the defense improve? If you told me that the Packers are five and one, I would have said, yep, all of those things happened. My wildest dreams came true. I would have been wrong, but the fact that they've been able to get to five and one despite all the issues is really incredible, and it's something that we should all be extremely happy about. Anyways, we're going to go ahead and take a break. If you want to support this podcast, the best way to do so patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Um, second best way that you can do that would be to just spread the good news of the Packernet podcast to all your friends and family. That would be fantastic. As I mentioned, if every one of you found one person to be like, look, you got to listen, and they do. So like if your hit rate is 20%, tell five people, one person sticks around. If we can double the listenership, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where things are headed. But I'm in a pretty good spot if we can do that. There's a lot of moving pieces and parts and all that, but that would be uh, pretty wild. So please consider doing that or any other way that you think you can help spread the news, the good word, whatever. That would be appreciated. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I do want to go through, um, kind of want to just go through the roster and just give my thoughts on each player as it kind of, you know, as best as I can, having seen what I saw, you know, I, I, I saw glimmers of this player, that player, whatever. Um, but before we do that, couple little more in detail things. Uh, first of all, passer rating comparison for Mr. Skip Bayless, who said Aaron Rodgers barely outplayed Justin Fields, 128 passer rating to 75. Aaron Rodgers' longest pass, 41 yards. Justin Fields, 21 yards. When I said that he can barely complete a pass over 15 yards, I meant it. And by the way, kind of surprised that some of those are only 21 yards. Um, the two passes that were anywhere even close to 20 yards, those guys were wide open. And I said that during the preseason. Justin Fields is fine when his guys are wide open and he has a clean pocket. Otherwise, there's nothing impressive about him. Couple other little things about the game. Time of possession, the Packers won 32 minutes to 27 minutes. Total offensive yards, Packers 323, Bears 277. Yards per play, Packers won 5.7 to 4.9. Again, remember, Packers defense is supposed to be bad. Bears is really good. That's kind of weird. Uh, completion percentage for the Green Bay Packers, 74%. For Mr. Justin Fields, it was 59%. Yards per attempt, Aaron Rodgers 7.3, Justin Fields 5.1. Yards per completion, Aaron Rodgers 9.9, Justin Fields 8.6. If you look at sack percentage... Aaron Rodgers was sacked on 11.5% of his dropbacks. Justin Fields, 129 I thought the Bears had the pass rushing. It's so weird. I guess I was wrong. Again, rushing yards, Packers 154, Bears 140. Uh, third down efficiency, not good again for the Green Bay Packers. That's an area of, of concern for the Packers. 25%, only 2 of 8. The Bears were 36%, 4 of 11. Fourth down, Packers are 1 for 1. Bears were 1, were one for 2. Red zone on defense, again, the Packers go 0-2. I thought they had a stop in there, but I guess not. The Bears were 100% from the red zone. Uh, Packers were 3 of 4, though, so the offense completes 75%. Obviously very happy that that got better. Defense still needs to kind of snap out of their funk because it's getting pretty embarrassing. Again, great job, but got to fix that, man. The goal can't be for other teams to just get to the other team's 20, especially since they're starting at their own 30 because our special teams is, is not great. You know, I mean, if we're just saying, if you can get from the 30 to the 20, you get seven points, that's pretty wild. And again, not every team is going to be the Bears and the Steelers. I mean, you start going up against the Chiefs and the Cardinals, and you start talking about from 30 to 20 is seven points, it's going to get ugly fast. 
A um, couple little tidbits from PFF. They like to get some real instant reactions out there. Uh, one of the negative ones, this is a fantasy football thing, but um, they have cut, start, and monitor or something. I don't know. But the person they said you should cut from your roster is Robert Tunyon. Says, for a fifth time this season, you could count the number of receiving yards Tunyon had with your fingers. Green Bay has too many other weapons on offense that it prioritizes, and Tunyon plays only in certain personnel groups, making him too inconsistent. There are plenty of tight ends with more secure roles who are available on the waiver wire. So clearly, whatever success he had, which again, was largely just touchdowns for Tunyon last year. It was very similar to Kyler Fackrell getting a bunch of sacks that one year. That's I feel like that's what Tunyon was last year. He didn't grade out very well as a tight end. He didn't really kill it with stats in any real category. He didn't kill it on a week-to-week basis. It was kind of fluky. He just got a bunch of touchdowns is mostly what he did. But whatever. I'm glad that he did that, I guess. Hilariously, looking at the overall game recap, though, um, well, let's let's just start with the opening paragraph because it makes you feel good. The Chicago Bears started hot and finished hot offensively, but the Green Bay Packers dominated the bulk of the game and route to 24-14 victory Sunday. Both teams struggled to protect their respective quarterbacks as sacks killed the number of drives. The win puts the Packers in the driver's seat in the NFC North with a two-game lead over Chicago. Continuing on, talking about the quarterback, again, makes me smile. It wasn't a banner performance from Aaron Rodgers by any means, but he did more than enough against the team he owns. (laughs) It says they leaned on the run game heavily all day to try to avoid obvious passing situations to put Rodgers in harm's way. Let me pause there because that's an important part of point of emphasis, again, for Mr. Skip Bayless and anybody else that wants to point to Aaron Rodgers having a bad day. And, And again, I want to highlight in a minute that I wasn't overly impressed with Aaron Rodgers. I feel like it was a very similar performance to what we've seen all year where there was a lot of like, yeah, that wasn't great. And then just a handful of like, all right, good. You can still like pass the ball relatively consistently. Thank you for completing that pass. They said at halftime when the halftime was over and they had the reporter, the sideline reporter come over and say, you know, he talked, she talked to the coaches, which I was surprised that uh, Matt LaFleur just told her so openly because it was going to be televised. Apparently Matt LaFleur just told her, we're going to run the ball a lot more. Point is, The goal of this game was to really lean on the run, and it was successful, and they kept doing it. Again, both running backs averaged over five yards per carry. They're avoiding sacks. They're avoiding all these other issues. They ran the ball. They did it effectively. And yeah, it's hard to get a lot of passing yards when, uh, you know, you don't pass very much. Again, his yards per attempt weren't bad. So in other words, if you up the amount of attempts he has, the yards would have gone up, but he didn't throw the ball very much. Anyways, looking on to running backs here, it says Aaron Jones continues to look worthy of the contract Green Bay handed him this offseason. That warms my heart so much to say in that sentence because there was like a 95% chance that we were going to be kind of iffy on whether or not that contract was worth it because it just never, ever, ever pans out. It's not over yet, but oh my goodness, that makes me so happy. Continuing, he gained 76 yards on 13 carries with three broken tackles, but his masterpiece came through the air on what looked like an afterthought dump off from Rodgers. Jones stiff-armed past Deshaun Gibson and route to an improbable score. That really was ridiculous, by the way. And Aaron Rodgers, I said this in the stream, he does that every week. Every week there's at least one game where like, a, eh, hopefully he gets a couple, turns into j- literally, I mean, me in my living room jumping and jumping and jumping. I, I, I must do like 500 jumping jacks in my living room. They're not like literal jumping jacks, but it's mostly like jumping and punching the air, hurting my shoulder in the process, high-fiving my son, just going. Aaron Jones contributes to more of the, Aaron Jones and Devontae, so many, but especially Aaron Jones, because Devontae, it's like, it's a fist pump, 
because yeah, that was a big catch. And then he gets a couple after the, you know, couple yards and goes down. Sometimes he has a big breakaway kind of thing, but with Aaron Jones, it's always like, oh, 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 oh. You know what I mean? Like it's, it doesn't ever look like it's going to be something until all of a sudden it's something. And then it's really something. And then it's, oh my goodness, this is really something. And Dylan's starting to get a couple of those, which is getting me excited. Dylan's got a couple like, oh, that was, a, oh, there he goes. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> Anyways, we'll skip wide receiver because they don't really say anything super interesting there. But uh, as far as the offensive line, considering the opponent, the Packers had to be happy with their performance of the offensive line. While they had some help from a play-calling perspective, the unit as a whole combined to allow only six pressures on the day. That's an important note that I didn't know until I read this. Um, but you look at three sacks and say, oh, the offensive line struggled in this game. There were They were giving up like 11 pressures pretty consistently in the previous games. The, the only difference is they converted a lot of these into sacks. There was a lot of real big miscommunications in which guys never got touched and just got a free run at Rodgers and brought him down. But as far as how many times he actually got pressured, it was low. Now, again, throwing the ball less contributes to less overall pressures, but six pressures is a low number. Continuing on, that was with center Josh Myers getting hurt two snaps into the game. While they had a couple miscommunications that led to sacks, their play was instrumental in that win. And again, it wasn't even necessarily getting beat. It was stupid mental error. I'm not saying they never got beat, because they did. There were six pressures and three sacks, and two of those sacks at least were just blatant miscommunications, and it looked like uh, Newman might have been a big part of that, but we'll see. Um, One of the more shocking things, because I was very disappointed in them, this is why I like to read PFF's breakdown before I launch into any tirades, about the defensive line. This is going to make so many people so mad, (laughs) because they love hating Rashawn Gary. It won't show up in the stat sheet, but Rashawn Gary had one of the best performances of his young career. He had four pressures on 33 pass rushing snaps, as well as three stops in the run game. The unit outside of him struggled to consistently make plays in the run game and was gashed at times. That is a staggering statement, and I'm very curious to see what guys like Garvin and what guys like, obviously, Kenny Clark and even Dean Lowry had, because they stood out to me. Now, there were obviously some real big issues. I saw Kenny at one point was actually put on the outside. He was the one that lost contain real bad, because he was just pushing real hard up the middle. It's almost like he's not used to being on the edge and realizing you can't just go crazy. You got to hold the edge, because I think Rashawn was to his inside, and he was pushing so hard in toward the middle, toward where the center is, nobody was even thinking about holding contain. So, I mean, again, it's little things like that where it's like, dude, Kenny, come on. But at the end of the day, at the same time, let's just be completely honest. Kenny wrecked that game. Kenny saved us in this game. I, there, there's a poss- there's a universe in which we don't win because of if Kenny doesn't play like he played. Some of those critical sacks and, and, and um, you know, that, that one play where Kenny didn't even get to him, but he was up in his face and made him super nervous and they showed the replay later. And we saw that he had a guy screaming down the field. That was the most wide-open walk-in touchdown of the entire day to, I think, Allen Robinson if Kenny wasn't there just putting him all in a tizzy. Anyways, moving on to linebackers. Packers fans got their first taste of new linebacker Jalen Smith. He played 15 snaps on the day, and the results were not great. The only real play he was involved in, Smith failed to even lay a hand on the Bears' ball carrier in space for a missed tackle. I'm sure we all saw that. It was very embarrassing and not fun to watch. I also saw him blitz a couple times. I was hoping that would be a big, um, something he could do real well. He got manhandled when he got to the offensive line. Now, it kind of reminded me of of Mike Pettin's linebacker blitzes where those guys get to the offensive line and just get thrown back like little small children. 
So maybe it's kind of a he's just not running to the right spots or he didn't get schemed or whatever the case may be. But every time I saw him blitz, I got excited until he got to the offensive line and he just got absolutely stonewalled. So uh, it was his first attempt and he's still trying to get involved and we'll see what it all um, can amount to. But obviously his first outing, I think we all could agree, probably not the best thing we've ever seen. Finally, for the Packers, looking at the secondary, it says with injuries to Jair Alexander and Kevin King, the Packers were on their last legs in the secondary. Even still, the Packers' corners combined to allow a grand total of 69 yards on 6 of 11 targets for only three first downs. That was decidedly not what most expected heading into the game. Slot corner Chandon Sullivan had one of the his best games as a Packer as he didn't allow a catch on three targets. That's interesting because I, I did notice... I did notice that I wasn't noticing Chandon, but there were a couple plays where I did notice him, and he was super fired up. He's doing the whole Matumbo finger wave. He's, I mean, he was real fired up in this game, so I'm going to be very excited to see what his grades were and some of his stats and all that. But, I mean, that, that kind of says it all, right? Even if there were a couple receptions given up here and there, and obviously Yadam was just putrid, even still, again, same thing we say almost every week. Maybe wasn't the most elite performance. Like you see Jair getting pass breakups and sprinting across the field to make picks and just breaking stuff up. But at the same time, who got killed? Did Stokes get killed? Nobody really did. Yadam just looked kind of bad and got pulled, essentially. But at the end of the day, there's really nothing to be super upset about. And Stokes is getting a heck of an education here. That's pretty exciting stuff. And again, I respect the fact that Stokes is more or less playing it safe, seemingly. He gives up a reception here and there. He very quickly closes, brings him down. And it's disappointing in the moment, but at the same time, there has not been one game where I've looked at Stokes, even the time where he was picked on a lot. I don't know which game that was, 49ers or Steelers or whatever. Even in that game, you never look at it and just feel like he completely disappointed. I don't think he's given up a single touchdown. The one time he was credited with the touchdown, the Packers said it wasn't his fault, it was King's fault. He's never really given up a massive big gain. He gives up a couple hitches, curls, outs in, digs, whatever you want to call them. Little short routes. And he cleans it up, and that's it. Anyways, finally, I want to go through these uh, NFL.com insights before I kind of give my own thoughts on things, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Aaron Rodgers surpassed Drew Brees for the second most games with two-plus passing touchdowns and zero interceptions in NFL history. He's at 88. Is that serious? That's insane. Two touchdowns and no interceptions. Obviously not consecutive, but that's that's a lot. 88 games. Makes sense, though. I mean, it's a rare day where Rodgers doesn't have a two-touchdown, no-interception day. I mean, that's pretty standard standard day, I guess. Oh, here's a stat. The Chicago Bears have 463 passing touchdowns, including the playoffs, since Justin Fields was born March 5th, 1999. Aaron Rodgers has 469 career passing touchdowns since entering the NFL in 2005. <laughs> so Rodgers has thrown more touchdowns in his career than the Bears have in Justin Fields' entire lifetime, which is a six-year gap, six-year head start for the Bears. Green Bay Packers 58-23 and versus Chicago with Aaron Rodgers, Hall of Famer Brett Favre or Hall of Famer Bart Starr as the starting quarterback, 43-71-6 with all other quarterbacks. Packers have won seven straight road games versus the NFC North, their last loss, Week 15, 2018 in Chicago. That's pretty wild. That's the other crazy thing. This is in Chicago, so we're going to see him again, and it's going to be in Green Bay, which is glorious. Rookie quarterbacks are 6-13 and head-to-head versus Aaron Rodgers as a starter. Rookie starting quarterbacks on the NFC North teams are 0-6. 
Packers have won 19 of their last 22 games versus the Bears. Jeez. Aaron Rodgers has one-plus passing touchdowns and one-plus rushing touchdown for the 29th time in his career. Only Cam Newton and Hall of Famer Steve Young have have more such games in the Super Bowl era. Uh, he's never going to catch Cam Newton, but Steve Young is at 31. And again, he's at 29, so he needs two more to tie him, three more to take second place behind only Cam Newton. Aaron Rodgers has 20-plus fantasy points for the 108th time in his career. All other Green Bay quarterbacks have 96 such games combined since 1950. Aaron Jones has tied Edgar Bennett and Jerry Ellis for the second-most receiving touchdowns by a Packers running back in their first five seasons. Aaron Rodgers has two-plus passing touchdowns for the 132nd time in his career. Only Hall of Famer Brett Favre had more such games among Green Bay quarterbacks since 1950. Man, there's a lot of these. I love that the Packers have so many of these every single week. Aaron Jones has 95-plus scrimmage yards in five straight games, the longest Green Bay streak since Eddie Lacy in uh, 2014 and 15. Devontae Adams has three-plus receptions in 54 straight games, surpassing Torrey Holt for the sixth longest streak since at least 1950. I got to look up that list to see who he's closing in on because that's remarkable. Anyways, real quick, just want to give a couple thoughts that I had. Um, First of all, Aaron Rodgers, again, I thought he did fine. He definitely is not MVP Aaron Rodgers. Um, I thought he did a great job of just kind of staying within the system and just doing what needed to be done to get things done. The problem is he gets this little bug once in a while where he doesn't feel like it. He doesn't feel like staying within the structure and just taking what's in front of him and working your way consistently down the line. Now, it didn't happen all that often. But today was a, first of all, today was a bad day on deep passes. It just was. He missed Devontae deep down the down the field. He missed Lazard deep down the field. Um, he missed Tunyon, which the, the Tunyon one really upset me because Mercedes Lewis, I believe it was, or, or A.J. Dillon, wide open in the flat. Just give it to him and get, get the easy yards. It's not like it was third down. Give it to him, get the easy yards, potentially a first down. He decides he wants to throw it to Tunyon, who's absolutely covered. Not only did he not catch it, there was a guy behind him who almost picked that ball off. Every once in a while, he gets it in him where he's like, I'm going to get a big play here. This is going to be awesome. He He's sort of getting back to that, I don't want to throw to the check down thing. He's doing it, but even when he does it, it takes way too long. I don't know how many times I've screamed, throw it to Mercedes, throw it to him. He's open, he's open, he's open. And then finally, after three, four seconds, he finally dumps it off to him. And even with all that time, Mercedes Lewis or whoever catches it has the opportunity to turn up the field and get three, four, five more yards. Imagine if you got it to him instantly before the defense realized, hey, there's a guy wandering out there by himself. We should do something. Now, maybe if the defense isn't doing anything and they're just kind of hanging back regardless, you're like, all right, I got a couple seconds to throw it to Mercedes because they're not closing in on him. I don't know, but but I that's my only real critique here, aside from the fact that, again, he's, he's kind of just iffy on some of these deep throws. I think if he could have hit Devontae early, that was a walk-in touchdown. There's a good chance. He just missed him. And again, I know he missed Lazard deep down the field, so... He didn't have the greatest day in terms of accuracy. And again, when the offense was really doing a great job working its way down the field, he decided that he was going to rely on his arm, which hadn't been super stellar, to make a big play rather than just working with the system that's working really, really well. Now, again, if you've got a play that's designed and the guy's running wide open down the field, of course, throw it to him. But I'm saying don't throw it to a guy that's covered when you got a guy wide open on like second and seven. That's completely unnecessary. Offensive line as a whole, I can't really speak on it, but I will say the right side clearly looked worse than the left side. Um, looked like, to me, Royce Newman was the main culprit there. 
and a lot of it really is just the fact that it's a it's a zone blocking offense, which means you're not just manned up on a guy. You got to cover your zone. And so that looked like there were at least two different times where a guy got passed off, and I believe it would have been Royce Newman. I'm not entirely sure. The one time I believe was for sure. Uh, I believe it was Khalil Mack kind of went to the inside of Billy Turner. Billy Turner kind of just like, all right, passing him off. You know, you go do your thing. And Royce was just not even looking. He was staring at somebody on the other side, which is not what you're supposed to do. You stand in your zone, you keep your head on a swivel, and as soon as somebody gets passed off to you, you take him on. He just let him run right past him. So fortunately, it's a, it's if you had to pick between mental and physical, especially offensive line, I would choose mental because you can learn these things. This is a critique. This is something that when you get in the film room, you say, this is what you need to be doing, not staring at that guy because you think you know what's coming. Pay attention. But again, only six pressures means when they got manned up head-to-head, a lot of these guys were not losing. They won those physical battles up front. So again, overall, I thought they all did a really good job. We'll get a little bit more detail as as time goes on. Uh, Tight end, hilariously, Mercedes Lewis is by far our best tight end right now as far as blocking and even receiving, especially with his yards after the catch. I mentioned Tunyon. I already talked about that. DeGuaro, was nice to see him get that one reception. Kind of, kind of getting skeptical that it's gonna, he's going to be a major factor at all, much less this year, but we'll see. you got to kind of work your way up to it, especially when Mercedes is obviously the guy. Um, it's little things like that reception where you think, all right, something to build on. Let's continue down that road. Uh, wide receivers, Randall Cobb. I, I, again, one thing I'd mentioned is if Randall Cobb can just be what all these other guys have been in previous years where they have like one game here and there, I'll take it because it's one more guy that can get one more game. That's all he's been so far. He had one good game. Otherwise, he's been kind of invisible. But whatever. It was a great game. It was a great performance. And hopefully, we're going to see him again kind of pop off. Lazard, it felt like for the first time, really got into his groove. You started to see him pluck a couple nice ones out of the air. But I think my favorite, well, first of all, Equinemius St. Brown deserves a resounding round of applause for his fantastic touchdown catch that the referee stole from him. But make no mistake, that was a touchdown catch. He caught that pass, strong old hands, just ripping that thing out of the air. Gets his feet down inbounds, beautiful touchdown. But Amari Rogers is the one that kind of got me excited. Reason being, I've been I said this a couple weeks ago. You're starting to see him do these these motions. And he's consistently used just as a decoy. And I said, one of these times they're going to hit that. They're actually going to throw it. And they did it this week. And I thought it looked beautiful. I really did. Just his ability to move at a fast clip. And then when the ball was thrown to him, which beautiful pass, it has to be. Otherwise, he's going to have to stop and redirect his, his body, his motion, whatever. But his ability to catch and turn his body upfield and basically not slow down at all. You know, some guys, they kind of stop, catch, turn, like Devontae does that on, on like wide receiver screens. Turn his body, catch, turn his body again, and then somehow, despite this really slow, clunky-looking thing, is able to break two tackles and run up the field for 15 yards. I don't know how he does that, but he does that. That's why those wide receiver screens, I hate them because they look like they should never work, but we actually do quite good. This obviously wasn't a wide receiver screen, but I'm just saying... His ability to run with and, and change direction and catch a pass without even slowing down a little bit. And he got north and south real fast. And then you got that big old body to where he was able to not only run quickly and, and make a play, but actually break a couple arm tackles and get some extra yardage. I think that really is something, obviously, they want to slowly build up on. 
But that's something. That all all they really did is said, "I want to try that once this week." That's all they said. Because you got to remember, they're not going to go back and say, "Okay, now we're going to run that like five more times because that looked cool." No, no, no. The game plan was, "I just want to try that." They found their opportunity. They said, "Let's try it right here. This is a good spot. Let's try it." Now they go back and they watch the film. I think they're going to like what they saw. I think we're going to be seeing a little bit more of that and other things like it. And again, it's just like with MVS, it's the threat of it. It's the threat of it that'll kill you. And there's so many things you can do with that. Once he goes in motion, first of all, the defense has to decide how seriously we're taking this. And if it's if it's man coverage, you got a guy sprinting down the field and that's just going to mess you all up to begin with. But you've got so many options. You can throw it to him and and watch him make a big play. You can hand the ball off while the the you know you can for example pump fake like you're throwing it to him. Try to get the running back or the linebackers to head over that direction and hand the ball off. And while the linebackers are hesitating to see if you actually release the ball, the offensive line has gotten up to that next level and is cutting off the linebacker. You know that kind of stuff. You can run screens the other direction while he's doing that. Right? You know the running the running back comes up and blocks as you're throwing to Amari Rogers, except you don't throw it, you pull it, you turn around, and as the running back disengages from his block, you throw it to him, the blockers are out in front, you know how all that works. The point is, this is what I love about Matt LaFleur's offense, is this is how it works. And and as a defense, how in the world do you stop this? Because if you're going to play fast and physical and really do a good job of stopping a play, you got to commit to it. And the whole point of Matt LaFleur's offense is we want you to commit. We want you to commit to that because when we do this, everybody's off base. Now, it relies on the Packers' offense really being able to execute, but they've done a good job of executing, and it's just such a beautiful thing. And again, now that that's on tape, I think they're going to really want to try to play with that. Not that it's going to become a focal point. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, uh, A.J. Dillon at this point, these are these are the core pieces of this offense at all times. But I think you maybe move that up a couple pegs and say, let's, let's work with this. Because we know Matt LaFleur loves that stuff. And we know that he wants to make that a big part of his offense. They tried it once with Amari Rodgers. I thought it looked beautiful. Running backs, I don't have much to say. They did a great job. I don't know what else to say. I mean, A.J. Dillon fits the mold of what I've said A.J. Dillon is for a long time. He always gets off to a slow start. Every time you watch him at first, it's always kind of embarrassing, you know? It's like, I'd, for me, I always picture like the other the other team's fans don't really watch the Packers as closely. And there's a lot of hype and talk about A.J. Dillon. And he's this big, monstrous, strong guy. And and again, he's, he's way too upright of a runner for me. He doesn't bring all that power all the time. And so when he just kind of plods into the line and doesn't go anywhere, it's like, oh, man, people are going to think this guy sucks. They're going to be laughing at him. But it's usually around like carry six or seven or eight that he really starts to get into his groove. And you, you pair him kind of getting a little bit more behind his pad, him starting to get into the groove and feel things. You start to see a little bit more cuts, a little bit more decisiveness. It takes him a while to get warmed up, but also the offensive line is starting to get worked up and, and winning against a defensive line that is no longer fresh. So it really starts to snowball around halftime where A.J. Dillon really starts to get it. And Aaron Jones is the same way. It's really not that different. But Aaron Jones can pop off in the first quarter, whereas A.J. Dillon usually doesn't. Defensive line, again, I kind of talked about it. Kenny, I thought, did fantastic. Wasn't perfect. Um, the one thing I did notice about the defensive line that bothered me was they they reminded me of the old Packers, the Mike Pettin Packers, where they were really spread out. They really, there were a lot of times where guys were, you know, there was a lot of space between these guys. But, you know, sometimes that's by necessity, and the Bears did a good job of, of dictating that. But uh, Kenny Clark was just an absolute force, especially as a pass rusher. Dean Lowry, I don't know from top to bottom how he did, but um, clearly, 
made an impact in this game. Um, didn't see much from Kiki Slayton, some of these other guys that were out there. Um, you heard about Rashawn Gary. My my personal take is that he wasn't doing enough. Um, I wasn't really watching him with a with a Hawkeye, but I just remember thinking we got to bring pressure, and I haven't seen Rashawn bring a ton. I mean, th- there were times when the defensive line was collapsing on on Justin, and I didn't really pay attention to who was getting the pressure. Obviously, Rashawn was doing quite a bit, uh, unbeknownst to me, but. There was a lot of times in this game where I was like, Rashawn, I, I need you, dude. Like one of those Zedarius Smith moments where it's a critical third down and Zedarius just blows the guy up and goes and gets a sack, like Kenny did today. Those are kind of the plays that I was looking for. But um, again, PFF was very impressed with uh, with his overall performance. Uh, Preston, I know, was injured. I don't really know his status. In fact, I should probably start looking a little bit. Uh, injury update. I guess he had an oblique injury. By the way, um, Josh Myers, the, the news on him is that Matt LaFleur said, I don't believe it's a season-ending injury, which a lot of people took as a positive. I wasn't super <laughs> happy to hear that, especially phrased that way. I mean, I, I guess it's good, although it still could be season-ending because that wasn't very definitive. Anyways, I've been looking around. I don't really see anything. Um, didn't really notice Preston a ton. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm always content with his, um, I shouldn't say always, this year anyways, his ability to hold the edge, but also just playing kind of big strongman football, kind of like Zadarius and, and and Rashawn do a lot, which is just pushing the guy straight back. Uh, again, at this point, though, I'm mostly just concerned about him getting healthy and getting back because we really can't afford to lose anybody else. Jonathan freaking Garvin, though, this guy comes out of nowhere, comes up with a clutch sack and also aids in the second sack of uh, Kenny Clark in which he scared Justin Fields out of that zone and Kenny just went and chased the guy down and brought him down. So Garvin, another guy, and this is what I'm talking about with the team really just finding ways to to show up big in big situations. You get guys like Garvin that are like, you know what, I got this. That's huge, man. Uh, inside linebackers, um, Chris Barnes is, is iffy. I heard somebody in the stream say they didn't, they thought he had a terrible day. Um, I only noticed him once and it was on a really good play. So that's all I can say about that. Devondre Campbell, uh, again, I'm, I, I didn't notice a ton from him. I'd be surprised if he graded out quite as well. Um, the only thing I really noticed from him was giving up a completion. He went and tackled the guy. There was the other play where he almost stopped a first down, but lost that tackling battle and the guy pushed him back. I was not as mad with Campbell for being the one guy that got there to try to tackle him. I wish there was a better job by this defense to swarm because when one guy is there to hold him, especially on a critical play like that, where you're trying to stop a first down, you guys got to swarm in there and and help the guy out and push him back. And there was nobody there to help him. And after several seconds, he was able to push for that extra first down. But uh, I didn't notice anything terrible again, outside of the the one uh, completion he gave up. Uh, Oren Burke's Again, didn't see every snap, but it seems to be pretty resounding that he had a terrible day. Corners, Chandon Sullivan, as we heard, had a fantastic day. I kind of talked about the other guys. Uh, I think Yadam was the one guy that really stood out as having a terrible day. Eric Stokes, again, like every week, I'm content. He gave up some passes. It was nothing serious. He didn't get annihilated. He didn't get destroyed. Kind of kept everything in front of him. Um, you know, it's, it's a 14-point game because the defense was just stingy enough, and he was a part of that. Uh, Razul Douglas is the one guy I'm really kind of excited about. Um, I mean, I, I had kind of talked him up when we got him, the fact that he's a little bit underrated. Um, everybody wanted what's his name that went to the Panthers, but he, Razul Douglas graded out just as high as he did. Um, so he came in and actually seemingly did a good job. I don't really know, but, 
Uh, once he came in and replaced Isaac Yadam, I didn't see the secondary give up hardly anything, and that's with Savage going out. There were a couple big holes in the middle of the field, which again, I tend to wonder if that was Savage being out kind of hurt that, or if it was just sort of the defensive scheme being what it was. Uh, by the way, Henry Black is due a kudos regardless of how he played. Again, he stepped up, he filled the void, and he helped this defense get to where it needed to be to allowing only 14 points and getting a win, shutting down this team. Um, some of those sacks don't happen if the coverage isn't there, and he's a part of that unit. Um, Adrian Amos, I just think, is still a fantastic football player. Very excited with what he did. Didn't see him give up hardly anything at all, and he's so good at, at tackling. I love watching him tackle, and I don't know how many times I've seen him make big clutch tackles at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. It's like, why are you even here? Are you a safety? What are you doing here? He had that one play where I swear he did stop that touchdown. I think that was a bad call, but whatever. He got in there, popped the guy, spun him like a top, and he came down short, and they called it a touchdown anyway. Still a great tackle. Uh, there was another play where he comes up, and uh, I think Kenny got credited for the tackle, but Amos is the guy that was there in the backfield, grabbed his ankle, and spun him down. He's just such a fantastic football player. Almost came up with a, a pick in this game. Real happy with his performance, as always. Again, Bajorquez, great job. Mason Crosby, great job. Hunter Bradley, round of applause, sir. Um, the coverage unit's still not good enough. Um, the tackling, I think, overall was was subpar, but uh, it, was, it was a good win, man. It was a good team win for the Packers. The Packers go to 5-1, and one, dominating the NFC North as per usual. Bears look terrible. Vikings have a two-game win streak against uh, some depleted garbage teams. I still think they need to get a little bit better. They got to clean some stuff up. But at this point in the season, the two most important things are stay healthy and get wins. They're doing one of those things. So uh, hopefully they can move in the direction of getting more guys back than we're losing. We're going in the wrong direction, losing more and more players every week, be faster than we can bring them back. But um, again, there's no reason not to be happy, man. And, and for every complaint that there is, there's a real good reason for it. And there's every reason to be optimistic. Just get the wins. Continue to get a little bit better every single week so that by the end of the season, you guys have, are, are ready to go all in. And again, these these kinds of wins are, are incredibly important. The, the ability to bounce back. There are so many Packer fans, myself included, that about, you know, at least through the first quarter, you're watching this game thinking this is going to be a loss. I can't believe this. Now, most of us kept our mouths shut because we know saying that when you're down 7 nothing in the first quarter is silly. But you just felt it. You know what I mean? And, and the thing is, the Packers can feel that too. They can feel that feeling of, this feels like a loss. This feels like, you know, the offensive line can't block. I'm, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't super accurate. The running backs can't run the ball. The defense can't stop the Bears, which is a terrible offense. There's every reason to look at this and go, well, this was not, this is not going to be a good outing. The difference is, though, they're not crumbling anymore. It used to be that when this happens, when you see it, you know what happens. And you know that they're done. They didn't. And for everybody that felt that way in the first quarter... Don't just brush it off like, well, they got lucky. They, uh, no, 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 no. Listen to me. It's important to acknowledge that you're right. It did feel like a loss. You're right when you say that this feels like a game that the Packers don't pull out of. But acknowledge the fact that they did and, and, and really think about what that means. This is not the same team as last year. This is not the same team as the year before. When things get bad, they bury their head in the sand and you never see them again until hopefully next week when they rebound. No, they're going to pull themselves out in the second quarter and they're going to win the game. It's miserable for that first quarter, but um, all that matters right now is that they're winning. So anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I will talk to you as always tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>